Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. God is good, isn't he? He's so amazing. So blessed. Our youth are heading to the back door there, and Miss Ruthie's going to take you to your service downstairs. So I'm glad to be with you. So glad to be in God's house with you, and I am uh, just want you to know I'm not normal today, and that's normal, but I'm a little less normal than normal. Uh, so yeah, I had some surgery this week. Everything's good. We're just, uh, uh, I want to just, just be humble and honest with you that I am a stubborn person at times, and <laughs> I have this crazy thing in my head that, you know, I can just do anything. You just put your mind to it and do it, you know. That's not an arrogance thing at all. I just feel like it's in front of you to do it, you know, and so... When they told me I had to have surgery, I was like, well, schedule it early in the week because i got to preach on Sunday. And uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, they did, and um, here I am. I don't know that I'm going to be here for the second service or not yet. We'll find out, <laughs> but we're here right now. But I, uh, I texted my nephew, Jaron, yesterday, and I said, hey, I just want you to know you should have notes ready. <laughs> And be ready to preach tomorrow just in case. And so he texted me this morning, how you doing? I said, I'm doing okay. So do you have your notes ready? <laughs> yeah, so then I told our tech team, you may be getting notes between services, so be ready. And here we are. So I'm like, okay, Lord, here we are. And the, he spoke through a jackass in the Old Testament. I know he's going to do it again right now. My wife loves me. She's amazing. She's taken such good care of me, and she was like trying to convince me not to do this today, you know? And so you can pray for her uh, because, no, I mean, she is my caregiver for the next, you know, day or two or whatever they tell me. <laughs> so if you just pray for us, that'd be awesome. I do have a seat there in case I need to sit down. We're going to not be a distraction to you. We want to see what God's been doing because. As I was praying about this, I'm like, Lord, I do submit myself to you, and I believe that God wants me to speak to you in this message. Now, you may have a follow-up message in the second service, so stick around and see what God's doing there, but I, I just know that the Spirit of God is doing something. No question about that. He is moving in our hearts and our lives, and so we submit to him and what he's doing. The Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin in the first place that draws us to God. We can't come to him just because we wake up one day and say, I think I'll come to God. No, the Holy Spirit draws us and we respond to the Holy Spirit's drawing and we move towards God and he brings us to that place of repentance in our lives in order to get saved in the very first place. So as we look in the word of God and hear what he says to us, Jesus told us this is the way it was gonna be. Now, none of this happened until the day of Pentecost. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, man. I mean, I am so grateful for what God has given to us in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said this in, in John 16, 8, and I regularly use these verses, and you should memorize them, and you should read through John 14, 15, and 16, because in that, Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what he would do for us. The real brief mention of it right here, it says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. So friends, I want us to first understand the spirit of the holy God above is present on the earth and he is convicting the world of sin. So there is no one out there that doesn't understand they need God. They may not understand who he is at the time, but the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin. So when you do wrong, you know it. You didn't have to be told when you were a child. 
God's the one that's making you feel uncomfortable when you do what's wrong. You just felt uncomfortable when you did wrong. You're right. Is that true? See, there's that conscious spirit that is within us to know there's a line that we're crossing. All right, now the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of its sin, letting us know that there is something available to change us, even if we don't know what it is, and that we need to be changed. We all know we need to be changed. We knew before we knew Jesus that something needed to change in us. Now as we look at what God's saying to us, then he's like, look, there's going to be a day we all give an answer, that coming judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. So we know, as we read the scriptures last week, we repeat those to you again today, that in 1 John 4.13, that he affirms our salvation. When we come to God, through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to us and gives us affirmation that we are a child of God. And that's what 1 John 4.13 says. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. That's where that relationship is affirmed. It's like when uh, two people come before the Lord and they do the covenant of marriage. So when Kim said, I do to me, and I said, I do to you, there's an affirmation of that relationship, and that's where the relationship comes together as one. And as we see in the scripture, this is what God's telling us. When we come with our soul bare before him in repentance, we ask him for salvation. The Holy Spirit affirms that relationship is now it. We are now one in the same way, spiritually speaking, that a man and a wife become one. So God does this for us, and the Holy Spirit is the affirmation of that relationship. Now, as we move further, then, we also know that not only is the proof of that relationship that we have with Christ, that means that we're saved, we're Christians, we're born again, whatever terminology you want to use, we want to you know, understand that that affirmation or proof of the Holy Spirit in us assures us that we have that relationship with God. Now then, the Holy Spirit also is the empowerment in us to help us to live the life that we're now called to live because we're not just saved. And I don't mean that lightly when I say just saved. We're saved to live differently. We are saved for a mission. We're saved for a purpose. We're saved for a ministry. We're saved for a relationship with God. It's not just a salvation. It's the beginning of a life. That's why Jesus, when he was talking in John 3, said it's born again. A new life begins. And so now we have to live that life, right? We all know that, right? It's not just salvation. It's salvation to a new life. And so the Holy Spirit gives us power to live that life. And in Romans 8, verses 5 through 9, the Word of God says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Who are we talking to, church? The Christian, right? You are not controlled by your sinful nature. What's controlling you now? The Holy Spirit, man. All right, so here it is. He says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. 
All right, we just saw that the Holy Spirit is the proof of that relationship. So if he's living in us, we're not long, no longer being controlled by the sinful nature or the flesh of myself. Now the Spirit of God has taken control of me and I am living a different life. Remember, those who do not have, and I'm reading the scriptures again. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. In or out. Right there, right? That's what he's telling us. The word of God is saying you're either in it or you're not. You either have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's in you or you don't. There's no in between. All right, it's like that barbed wire fence. You're on this side of it or that side of it. You're not hanging on the middle. You won't for long. So we see the critical aspect of the Holy Spirit and what he plays in the life of a Christian and a non-Christian in this world. Was, this is the absolute fulfillment of the redemptive plan of God was the sending of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We, we need him desperately or we cannot live this life that we're called to live. We can't have the relationship with God that he died to give to us without the Holy Spirit present in power in our life. Okay, so here's the, the problem with some of this is that some of us have, um, are nervous about the Holy Spirit. I was raised in a pretty legalistic holiness church. I've told you that before. And because of that, you know, we, were, um, we knew that God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't misunderstand me. But I think a lot of Christians are afraid of the Holy Spirit because they think the Holy Spirit's the one that makes people act weird do weird stuff because we've seen people do weird stuff and they say it's the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not the judge of that. God is. So I'm not saying yes or no or anything. I will say that I don't think the Holy Spirit's going to make you bark like a dog because we have dogs to do that. I don't know why he would do that. All right. I do think that I see in the scripture that he empowers us to be a witness to be filled, to be loved, to be able to love. I see that God himself calls us and says that the Holy Spirit allows me to live the Christian faith. I see that the Holy Spirit is the one that allows me to love everyone, even when they're unlovable. I do see that in scripture. And so I say, yes, he does cause us to live weird. Weird to the world's eyes that we could love people that don't love us, that we could respect people that don't treat us right. Yeah, that kind of weird I believe in. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not normal. It's not human. It's not your flesh. You don't have the ability to do it. Neither do I. All right, but the Holy Spirit gives us this ability. So this is why in the midst of the message last week when we were talking to us and God is speaking to us, we're, I want you to know, church, that no one is secretly saved. All right, you're not. There's no such thing as, um, as someone that's a believer, but nobody knows it. You can't be. You can't be secretly saved or secretly serving God. You can be newly saved. Okay, I'll give you that. But if you're walking with Jesus, you're not a secret agent. You've not been called to be that hidden one that nobody knows about. He has called us to be seen and known. The word of God is clear about that. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, when the believer is filled by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit identifies us as a follower of Christ and the things that God teaches us, and it should be, as the Word of God teaches us, obvious to everyone we come in contact with. 
If you're living life with people, those people should know you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If they do not know you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to check your walk. Because we are supposed to live as light in the world. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is that source of light. That is the the affirmation and the witness of Jesus Christ within. So that the world sees Jesus in us. That's what God tells us will happen. So, as we look at that and see the truth of God's word, let's look at Jesus' last message before he ascended into heaven. He made this statement to those that were gathered around just before he ascended into the clouds, promising the Holy Spirit would come. Listen, this is what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's Acts 1.8, right? So we know that scripture. So Jesus tells us something that is critically important for us as believers not to be distracted by other things. Listen to what he tells us. When the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to give you power and you'll be my witness. Okay, so stop all the other stuff that we think about when it comes to the Holy Spirit And think about the empowerment of God to be his witness. And the witness that we are called to be a witness to is Jesus Christ. It's the the message that we are to share with the world. So we look at this and it's like, it's so clear to me as we look in scripture, it's like, uh, we are given a ministry, a mission, and a call by our Savior that we are to be that strong witness that Jesus Christ is who he is, the Savior of the world. All right, so now as we move forward then, we're going to see again what Jesus tells us about how critical this relationship with God is called salvation, the role the Holy Spirit plays in us, and how important it is for you and I to discern and know this truth, not only in ourselves, but in the people around us. So the church is scared of judging people, and I get that because sometimes we can be judgmental. I get it. And I know what the Bible teaches about that, but Jesus does give us discernment and tells us to know where people are, all right? So don't don't like give the whole cloak of, oh, I'm not their judge. No, you're not, but you're going to be held accountable for their judgment, so you should probably know where they are. Listen to what Jesus teaches here in Matthew 7. I think I read one very scary verse last week. I'm reading another one today. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Okay, so any of us that are reading that scripture, this is Jesus himself talking So I would think probably right now we're going to step back a little bit, no matter how confident we are in our walk with God, assess ourselves a little bit and be like, well, you know what? I want to make sure I'm one of the few. I want to go through that narrow gate. I don't know if you noticed, but it says also it's very narrow and the road is difficult. So it's kind of funny to me because we have a lot of people that are teaching a gospel that is about all the good life and easy things that are going on. And Jesus himself said, you know, there's this little narrow gate you got to squeeze through and the road's a little tough. 
Understand you're going to go through hard things. Things are going to happen in your life that don't make sense to you. That doesn't matter. We follow him, we're walking with him, and we're going to make it through if we trust him and allow the Holy Spirit to be the empowerment, the leading, and we're obedient to the checkings that he gives us inside of us. Church, those of us who are believers, are you a believer today? Yes. You know what? That means that you're born again, you have that relationship, you have the proof of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So you're a Christian, born again, you're saved yeah, that, okay? Just all the terminology. I don't care about it. It's a new life. It, I mean, I don't care about the terminology. I care about the relationship. You can call it whatever you want. You just have to have it. Okay, here's what we got here now. See, we need to hear the seriousness of what Jesus says to us and what he's talking about because the people we love, sometimes we give um, like this grace to and we kind of ignore sin in their life, and we ignore their lack of a walk because we love them, and we don't want to not only offend, but we're not trying to be preachy or too religious or putting things upon them. But church, when we look at what it says here, if, if they're not living right with God, they're not going to heaven. And the people we love and live with, most according to Jesus' word, are not going to make it. Most. He said only a few are going to find it. Okay, it's not that he's hiding it. God has offered it to everyone in the world. You understand that, right? I mean, Jesus is out there. The message is there. But everybody wants to find a different way, another way, because we're all about self and not about surrender. But it's about God's way only, not mine or your way. It's his way. And God's made the way, and it's the only way. And we don't want to hear that. I'm talking about as a whole, right? Okay, so stop allowing your friends and family members to be spiritual but not Christian. Because they're going to go to hell with all their spirituality. Jesus is the one that said so. Not me, not you, it's not this church, it's he, the savior of the world, spoke this truth to us to let us know. We've got to let them know this. They're not going to make it to heaven by their own choosing. Just by your own choice to not do it God's way. See, everything depends upon the relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything does. Nothing outside of that works. Only that works because it's God's way. Now, let's go back to that verse for just a minute. Uh, so just so the people, I understand there's some people that are wired more fearful, so to speak, or worrisome. This scripture is not to make you scared about your salvation or worried if you're not saved. Listen, the Holy Spirit convicts. We know when we're not right. We don't have to wonder if you're, if you're thinking, am I right, am I right, am I right? You're probably right. Just relax. If you're not right, he's going to say, you're not right. Get right. Okay, that's the way God works. He's not like playing games with us. He's not hiding behind a curtain like, hope you do right. I'm going to slap you. No, he's calling us. He gave his life so that we could have this. Be assured of your relationship with him. That's the point of this. Be absolutely sure of your relationship with God, no question about it, and have the same heart for the people around you. That's the point. So we go back to that scripture again, and let's follow along with what Jesus is saying. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, 
The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes? Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Oh, okay. So now Jesus is saying, look, you can see where people are. You can know their relationship with God. It should be super obvious. They're either walking with him or not. And it's easy to see, as easy as to know that when I walk up to a tree and I see a lemon on it, that's a lemon tree. Nobody has to tell me, right? I mean, he's making it that simple. So the people in your lives, if you can't see the fruit of God in their life, they don't have God in their life. Wake up. That means you're there for a purpose. You are the missionary, the minister. You're the one to share the good news with them. You're the one to call them into a relationship with God. Don't let them take their own choices and go on down to hell. Let them know they need Jesus. So what if they don't like you? They probably don't anyway. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy how we can be so afraid of what people think of us. We're talking about what God has called us to. Church, it's right there in the scriptures. So he's like, you can see it. It's as obvious as that fruit hanging off the branch. So when we see what Jesus says, it does not leave room for the hope so Christianity that many of us are hoping for. It doesn't leave room for the secret Christian either. It only leaves room for those who are embracing and living the fullness of the Christian life. Is that not true? It's right there in the Bible. Okay, it's it's time for us to graduate from kindergarten. It is, church. It's like, okay, like let's step up in our faith and begin to embrace the fullness of what God is saying to us because we they need us to. Those people that are lost need us to embrace the fullness of God in our life so that they can see what it is. Because right now, the, church, the world doesn't see the church as anything different than them. Why would they be attracted to something when there is no attraction to it? When the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is going to draw them to Christ because He is lifted up, well, something's wrong. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not Christ. It's got to be the church. God is calling us to be that fruit to the world so that they see something in our lives that they should desire. Would people desire what you have in your life? They would if we're living it. That's right there, man. It's God's word. So if you're a newer Christian, please don't um, now go beat yourself up or let the devil beat you up. I mean, nobody is fully mature the moment. I'm not mature, trust me. All right, but I'm saying it's like we're not, and I, I mean in every way, but we're talking about Christ-likeness, right? So we're saved. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Now we're born again. So now we do have to mature in that faith. So you look at a human being. We don't expect the baby to do much. I don't expect someone that's a brand new Christian to get it. They're just living life. And actually, they're looking for someone to meet their needs all the way up through their toddler life. That's okay. 
But see, the problem is, is most of us as Christians have never gotten past the toddler stage. We still think everything's about us and we want to be served instead of seeing that God has called us into this mature life of being a Christ follower. And a Christ follower is actually a servant called to serve other people. And so when we look around the church, and I, this isn't a commercial, by the way, it's not. It's just saying, like, we're, we're not serving our fellow men in the way God has called us to. There's human beings in need all around us, and, and we're still so self-centered because we're still flesh-driven. And the Word of God just told us in Romans that we read there, you know, we, we're, we're no longer about ourselves. We're about what the Spirit says to us and what the Spirit is doing in our life. Okay, so let's move into that. As a new Christian, uh, please understand that you're going to have some time to grow and understand what this means and the fullness of it. And don't let old Christians discourage you, okay? Uh, Because (laughs) you don't have to be like them, (laughs) okay? So, uh, yeah, you got to love me if you want to go to heaven, all right? So... Uh, three other things went through my head, but I'm leaving them all there. Okay, thank you, Jesus. You're welcome. Uh, so, all of us should be identified at some stage of our maturation in our walk with Christ, right? We should be. So, even a new believer should be seen as a new believer, but as we're walking with God, other things should be seen in our life as we mature and become more Christ-like, right? So, uh, many years ago, God gave me like a, a little vision understanding of this because I was like, God, it doesn't make sense to me that someone that's brand new saved you see as holy, and yet I see some people, like I would use Sister Mary, my kindergarten teacher of my Sunday school to the church I grew up with, as a saint of God to like literally would walk to your house and wash your floors. She would in the neighborhood. An amazing woman. And so I look and I'm like, God, you know, when I see Sister Mary, she's holy. But then when I see a brand new believer who maybe doesn't say all the right words and do all the right stuff, and God, you tell me in your word you see them holy. You see them holy. It's like, God, I don't understand that. So that's holy and that's holy. Well, really, what's holy then? Holy is right here with God, right? And so as he showed me that, he's like, man, you know, Dave, we have apple trees in Michigan. That's where I grew up. So he was using the apple tree as an example because... You know, it's dead in the winter, so it has no appearance of life. But in the spring, all of a sudden, that little bud breaks forth, and it's like the promise of something amazing. It's the newness of life. And that's what happens when we're saved. There's this blossom, and it's beautiful, and it's changed, and it's like there's hope in life. But you know, that little petal falls off, and there's just a bump on the branch. And that little bump does not look like an apple at all. And it wouldn't taste like an apple to you or me, but it is an apple. It's an apple as pure as an apple could be at that stage of its life. And so as you look at that maturation process through the summer season into the fall harvest, then it becomes an apple. God was like, look at every stage of that. It's an apple. You call it a blossom. You call it a little bump. You call it whatever you want to, but it's an apple all the way through. And it's the same thing with us. When we're first saved, we're holy, we're holy, we're holy, we're holy, we're holy. We're not more holy, we're more Christ-like. Isn't that awesome? So it's like, man, God, you're amazing. (laughs) So it's okay if you're a little blossom or a bump. Just don't live there. Okay? 
all right, seriously now, as we're navigating through, the sour green apple stage should be very short. <laughs> Get sweet as fast as you can. <laughs> we don't need any more of that <laughs> in the church that is necessary. Let's read what it says in Galatians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. All right, see that? This is what he's saying. He's like, he's trying to cover that for us. He's like, you know, when you're not serving Christ, this is your life. It's this mess right here. And all of y'all should know that, right? We all know that's true because we've lived in that life. But it doesn't stop there. Listen, and it says this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So right now you just got another portion of scripture to tell us that you're known by the fruit of the life. If they're living in that life, they're not saved. I don't care what they tell you. I don't care how many times they've been dunked or sprinkled in church. If they're living that life, they're not going to heaven. That's God's word, like it or not. Church, the word of God is clear. We're living that sort of life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in, come on, tell me what it just says, our lives. We're not one of those lives. We're now new lives in Christ. Holy Spirit's inside of us. Therefore, what's being produced in me is not that old sinful way of living. No, instead, the Holy Spirit is in me producing something unnatural, spiritual, and powerful. And this is what he tells us it is. This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Yeah, hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Every part of our lives, not just our church life, not just our spiritual friends group life, every part of our life, in traffic, at work, at the store, everywhere we are, this is the fruit that we need to be producing. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you right now. All right, and know that voice. Every part of our life. He's producing that. Why do you think those things go wrong in front of you? Why do you think it's happening? Right? It's right there. He's like, let's see what's happening. How, how mature are you now? Let's see how you handle this. This is the fruit that should be seen in the life of every Christian. Okay, again, let's remind ourselves that we're maturing in this. That the, the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in us by the Holy Spirit. So it tells us in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is the one that produces this in us. So it's not like I can uh, work myself up to it. Because you can practice self-control all you want. But sooner or later, if it's in your flesh, you're going to lose it. You don't have it. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can you actually have self-control. 
because self-control is about a surrender of self and a control by the Holy Spirit. And that's how it works inside of us. So I'm looking and I'm saying, God, the fruit that is about the Christian life is a complete contrast to the sin that used to be produced in my life. Look, you guys, we all know this, man. When we weren't following God's ways, we produced sinful actions. We produced sinful results and sinful fruit. And what we did is damaged people around us. And now that the Holy Spirit is in us, he's saying, like, this is what's being produced now. You're, you're self-controlled, you're kind, you're loving, you're patient with people. And so when you're consistently that, people notice. See, that's the light of Jesus Christ. I want you to see how simple this is that he's talking to us about being the witness to the people around us. When they see those attributes of God being seen in us, they like notice. Now, if it only happened on Monday or Tuesday, and then Wednesday yourself again, they're not going to be okay with it, nor will they think that's anything to do with God. But when you're consistently that with God, and if you screw up, you go back to him and say, you know what, I was wrong when I did that. God convicted me, and I am so sorry that I messed up. It gives you an opportunity to witness about Christ and the fact that you are on your journey with him, and he can do a work in you and them at the same time. So church, let's be real with what God is saying to us. Let's be real with the people around us, and let's do what God has called us to do and be who he's called us to be. You and I can't do it on our own. We have to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. My first action step is this. Are you transformed? Are you born again? Are you a Christian person? Okay, so that's about half of you. So now that I've asked that and you've proclaimed that truth, the rest of you can have that today. Okay, I want you to know that. No being sarcastic there, just saying, like, you should know. You have to know. If you're not, please know today. Don't go anywhere. If you're online watching, don't just shut this off and go start your day or go do something else, man. You need to know Jesus as your Savior and know that he's your Savior. And the Holy Spirit witnesses to that truth that you are. He tells us that. Okay, the second action step is this. What specifically is the Holy Spirit prompting you about? Okay, when the Holy Spirit is doing something, it's not a, I wonder. Please remember that. When the Holy Spirit is doing something, it's God's finger saying, hey, hey. It's not like, is that you, God? Oh, it's you, God. <laughs> That's what it is. So if the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now, it's God, do it. Whatever it is. Would you stand with me? The altar's always open. You know that. We need him desperately. If you're watching online, there's a number of if you need prayer, there's a chat line that's on the side. Just, just get real. This is about him, not about us. And this is about that relationship that he died to give to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and well and that you are working in your church and amongst those that are not yet in your church. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, you reveal to us that that needs to be surrendered, that that needs to be confessed, that that needs to be embraced, that that needs to be surrendered, that we might be what you've called us to be, empowered by your Holy Spirit to do the work of the kingdom. Lord, there are people around us.